Hello and welcome to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. It is the year 2024 and we're kicking things off with our previews show. We're going to be going through the previews books as always, January books, March releases, uh, in as much detail as possible that will no doubt make our wallets cry. Uh, first up is uh, myself, Alan, from Coffee and Heroes in Belfast, joined as always by Mr. Keith Miller. Happy New Year, sir. Happy New Year to you. It's, uh, it is 2024. When did we start recording the podcast, Alan? When. 18. Wow. We opened in 2017, so that was June 2017. I think then, yeah, it began in earnest 2018, and, you know, we continued it through all of COVID and everything else, and, you know, obviously the last year, so it's been a little bit up and down with it in terms of releasing, um, just obviously life stuff being, uh, being what it is, getting in the way every so often, but... We're now set up with our equipment. We have stuff lined up for the next couple of months. Uh, the The content should be much more frequent, I would say. I mean, we'll always do our previews pod. You know, always make sure we go through what's coming out soon. Uh, as well as the podcast, of course, you can, you can check out the previews boards in store. Uh, but yeah, this is where we get to chat about it a little bit and try and talk, our, talk ourselves out of adding so much to the post. <laughs> and yeah. it's, uh, I have to say, my, uh, my pull list has got a little out of control the past few months. Past few years, I would well, harbor you know, out of out of out of control from from my particular point of view. Uh, definitely the last uh, the last few months. Uh, so I am making a concerted effort to try and cut a little, to try and not be as uh, enthusiastic when it comes to <laughs> to new titles. But uh, it's hard to do. There's a lot of good stuff around. Yeah, there really you know? is. I mean, and that's that's the biggest problem for the wallet. But uh, it is 2024. Um, I've got a big event this year that uh, is uh, is quite costly. Uh, <laughs> this is after buying the house, of course, two years ago, uh-huh, you know, yeah, which was yeah. quite costly. And uh, now we're on to the next natural step, which, of course, is getting hitched. We're getting hitched, uh-huh. making it all official. Yep, absolutely. So uh, yeah, so we're in the process of of a bit of uh, a bit of wedding planning, and uh, Jesus, it doesn't come cheap. It doesn't come. So what you're saying is you have to sneak your envelopes of comics into the into the house a little bit more carefully at even the moment. more so than usual. Yeah, even more even so more than more usual. So than usual yep. Yeah, see, that is the problem. Is that I mean, my problem is more that you know I have the one and a half year old running around trying to grab my comics all the time, and I'm like, no, oh, don't touch that. You know, we were sitting eating dinner about an hour ago, and I was you know FaceTiming Vicky while the wee man was getting ready for bed, but he was running around the room, and all I heard was Vicky go, "No, not Daddy's comics." It's like, no. I've got I've got a worse story for you, Alan. <laughs> I don't know if I told this uh, I told this to you, um, but we were down in uh, in Cork over Christmas down at Bruno's home place, and there's a lot of kids, a lot of uh, soon to be nieces and nephews, a lot of greasy uh, fingers. Yeah, you know, and uh, of course they 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 get uh, they 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 get full of sugar and they get excited and whatever else. Now there was there was there was a bit of sitting reading comics with them, uh, but at one stage, one of them reached and grabbed. And uh, I, I was there was there was an insulting word out of my mouth before I even noticed you little, you know. Um, to be fair, you know it was warranted. They did tear the center pages out of Daredevil. Oh uh, yeah, that's, but you know uh, as long as they learn from it. Of well, course. yeah, I was uh, yeah absolutely. I have um, to admit, I thought that story was going more along the lines of obviously your martial arts training that uh, you just saw a little hands come in your peripheral vision just. Ch-ta! You know, straight block or a straight, you know, wrist <laughs> yeah. wrist wrench or something no, like that. I wasn't that, uh, damn my metal body. I wasn't fast <laughs> enough. I wonder what they would have preferred. You know the, you know, the yeah, but because I guess because I'm not around kids, you yeah. know, as often as a lot of people would be, I uh, my natural reaction wasn't to mind my tongue. Yeah, 
it's understandable. It happens to us all. It uh, every so often we pull it out in the car, and then you know Alfie's in the back seat. I just always turn around and go, "Only Daddy speaks like that," you know. So hopefully he'll learn and uh, do as I say, not do as I do. Exactly the number one rule of parenting. Let's be honest. So, um, but yeah, no, twenty twenty four or twenty twenty three was you know a big year. You know, well we're going to be doing a best of show as well. That'll hopefully not be too far behind this one. But yeah, we do read a lot of books. I mean, when I was adding up my books for the year, save it for the best of. Yeah, when you're adding up your books and you just look at it and go, wow. But no, I mean, what I found is since Alfie's come along, I actually read more. I watch less TV. I watch less movies. My my computer gaming life is pretty much non-existent. Uh-huh. But I find I read more. You know, I've I've been really good with omnibuses recently, graphic novels. I've been keeping on top of my pull list. Um, so I've been quite good with it. But I think part of that as well is I have been making the odd minor tweak, maybe. Yeah. The odd title being trimmed here, being trimmed there, that kind of thing, or waiting for trade. You know, the the thing that a comic book store owner really shouldn't promote. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But sometimes you just have to. You know, it's, yeah, whenever you're, you're hitting twenty a week, it's whenever you're reading yeah. as much as we are, it's 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 allowable. Uh, I definitely have not got into the trade waiting habit. Um, But, I mean, yeah, I'm cutting down a wee bit for cost. I'm cutting down a wee bit for quality. Uh, Though that's very, very hard. There is so much quality I wear at the minute. Uh, And also, I need to make a wee bit more space. Uh, so I'm doing a wee bit of uh, culling and selling. Um, yeah, we did. We did a, have a rather nice trade last year where uh, I ended up with a hundred issues of Fifty Two slash Countdown to Fifty Two, uh-huh, yep. and Keith ended up with some lovely Spider-Man comics and the first appearance of Nightwing. So I think yep. I think it was a trade we were both happy with. <laughs> very very happy with. Yeah, but, absolutely. But like, so. let's move away from all this negativity. Here's why you should sign up for these fifty new issues coming out in <laughs> March. Um, no, I mean that's not what this pod's about. What we're more about is just keeping you informed for what's coming out you know titles that you might miss along the way whether it's dc or marvel or of course the independent stuff um i mean the the first thing to talk about is actually not so much helping with the space issues but certainly helping with the cost issues but free comic book day is already being advertised in these books yes, so yes the date of free comic book day always is... the first saturday in may yes. so this year it falls may the 4th so free comic book day if you're not aware is is a day where uh, all the major companies put out free issues now they're not free to the stores we do pay for them we don't pay the same amount that we pay for traditional issues but we do pay we do incur a cost but the the sort of flip side of that is or the result of that is it brings more people into your store you know and then the store you know does well on the other side i suppose but yeah a lot of uh, creators or a lot of publishers they use it as a, a launch pad for new events uh they use it as a way to give you a starting point for certain issues and all the rest now when it comes to free comic book day as i said there's usually anywhere between 70 and 80 titles for you to choose from you know we always do it in a way where you know, free comic book with any purchase, spend the fiver, get three free comics, spend the tenner, you know, take as many as you want sort of thing, as long as it's only one of each one of each issue. We don't allow multiple copies for the same people, just because, again, you want these getting into as many hands as possible. But we, we do have some preview stuff, as I say, for the free comic book day this year in this month's previews book. So from IDW, you've got a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles free comic book edition. Um, there was some exciting news a day or so ago. Jason Aaron's going to be taking over the writing of TMA. T. I believe the artist hasn't been announced yet, but you know that that'll definitely interest uh, a certain gentleman facing me right here. Uh, Image Comics have a Transformers and GI Joe Welcome to the Energon Universe special free comic book day edition. 
you know they're they're doing great stuff at the moment um you know you'll hear it in all the reviews pods uh but the stuff they're doing with transformers and gi joe universe and void rivals and all the rest is, has been great uh i see marvel have a couple of things lined up yeah absolutely we've got uh spider-man and the ultimate universe number one that's by zeb wells and uh, dennis camp stegman and figueri on art um so it's the weeks ahead in Spider-Man, first taste of the return of the Goblin, plus the next revolutionary step in the Ultimate Universe, whatever that might be. We have Bloodhunt X, Bloodhunt slash X-Men number one. So this is obviously this is the the new crossover that's just we've just started to see the first uh, first images of in the in the uh, in the comics uh, in January. Um, so, uh, but also looks like what's going to be happening with the X Universe after. The fall of the House of X. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, say this this Avengers crossover. We've got Spidey and his amazing friends. They that uh, lilts more towards the the younger reader. Uh, we've got a Marvel Voices free comic book day celebrating a year of Marvel Voices with brand new stories starring Spider Man India. We have Star Wars Darth Vader number one for free comic book day. Uh, so yeah, there's there's plenty uh, plenty going on at Marvel for free comic book day. Yeah, I mean DC normally announce their titles a little bit later, a little bit closer to the time, but again, usually highlights their events coming up, that kind of thing. But certainly other ones worth keeping a lookout for. There's going to be one, the words of James Tinney and the Fourth through Boom Studios. That's going to have some cool stuff. There's there's a Hellboy Stranger Things one. There's Pokemon. There's uh, Maleficent through Disney. There's Flash Gordon. Um, there's Asterix, there's Conan, Battle of the Black Stone, there's Far Cry, there's Street Fighter, there's basically, uh, there's Doctor Who, there's basically something for everybody in Free Comic Book Den, that's what's really cool about it. Uh, and again, we'll have loads of these ordered, so Chris, you do not need to worry about getting that Energy on special. Um, you know, 2.30 in the morning message. <laughs> Alan, have you enough of these ordered? <coughs> Please. The man's uh, enthusiastic. There's enthusiasm and there's waking me at half two in the morning when I have a child. Uh, Alan is, of course, referring to Chris, his partner in crime, who, uh, <laughs> who manages the store on days that... He and does, and, after the and a wonderful job he does. Although he did tell me an interesting story today. Someone came in and looked at him and went, oh, if you bought this place over, what happened to the other guy? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so as I said to Chris, at least he projects the aura of an owner when I'm not there. Yeah. So Perfect. You know, so that's a, an interesting thing. But yeah, as I say, that's free comic book day. That's a little bit more in the future. That's in May. Uh, but they always like the. It's always a huge print job for free comic book day. So they they tend to do early solicits for stores. Um, but yeah, looking at the books as as we always do. You know, you've got your DC book, you've got your Marvel book, you've got your independent previews book. These books are always available in store for you to sit and have a look at. You know, sit down, have a coffee, have a flick through have a chat with whether it's myself or Chris or any of the other regulars, Keith or Andy or anybody at all sitting about and they they can always recommend their stuff as well. I mean, DC, what I find interesting and I'm going to go into this in a bit more detail when we do our best of show, but DC for me seems to be stripping back in terms of the amount of titles uh-huh. and focusing a little bit more on quality. The DC book every month at the moment does seem a little thinner to me but there's always good stuff in it I mean part of that is their format which uh, is really clever actually uh, where they the, the ongoing series they've got you know a couple per page or two yeah. or three or four per page well that definitely yeah. helps with it but like even in a weird way sometimes I struggle sometimes to even find five or six titles to put on the board agreed yeah you know mm-hmm. for DC whereas I find with Marvel that you know I, I could probably have put up about 15 titles for Marvel, you know, in terms of number ones. So I think, uh, in fairness to Marvel, though, they do also own more properties in terms of, you know, it's not just the DC Universe, it's, 
you know, they're now doing the Fox uh, universe with Aliens and Predator and Planet of the Apes. They're doing the Star Wars universe. So with Marvel, it's not just their Marvel universe, you know, of, of superheroes. They do have other stuff. But um, the main things that stuck out for me this month in the DC book is actually collected editions, which we'll, we'll certainly get into when we go in a little bit more in depth. But a couple of cool series there as well, has to be said, and a couple of starting points for some bigger titles. So, um, yeah, just a... Run of the mill month for DC, I would say. Well, I mean, it's January. Well, it's not January. We're looking at March, I suppose. At uh, the end of the end of the first quarter. So, um, on the Marvel side, um, I guess the one of the most exciting things is uh, they'll be launching the third of the new Ultimate titles and Jonathan Hickman's new Ultimate Universe that drops in March. That's uh, writer artist Peach Momoko, who I know you're a fan of. Uh, fairly hotly anticipated Ultimate X Men, which is going to put a whole a whole other spin, uh, as Peach Momoka's stuff tends to do uh, on Marvel's mutants. Um, we've seen some of the preview art. It does look fantastic. And uh, that's backed up by uh, continuing issues of Ultimate Spider-Man, the first issue of which I haven't read yet, and Ultimate Black Panther, which I believe is out next June, month. Next month, yeah. yeah. So they're, they're kicking it off with a new title each month. By the time we hit uh, March, as you say, you've Ultimate X-Men number one, but in there, I believe you'll have Ultimate Black Panther number two and Ultimate Spider-Man number three. So they're they're sort of releasing the new titles on a month by month basis. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm really keen to see sort of what you know um to get those titles established, but then to see what's next. Uh, and I, I guess maybe the free comic book day issue. Well, maybe I think that'll add something to it yeah. as well. Uh, I'll look forward to a conversation about Ultimate Spider-Man number one. I loved it. I thought it was awesome, and there will definitely be a deep dive discussion at some point. Excellent. Well, I am only a week behind on my pull list, so uh, it'll be in that pile. Then, is what you're yeah, saying? Ooh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that's uh, it's the pile beside my bed currently. I picked up my pull list today, so uh, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing all right in the catching up. But anyway, back to Marvel um, and back to Earth six one six, where we have some uh, some alliances being um, reforged. Uh, Miles Morales and Peter Parker have had a a bit of a janky relationship over the past few months with uh, Peter disappearing because of you know what happened um earlier in the in, in Zeb Wells run where he had sort of disappeared off the you know off the face of the planet well not literally but uh yeah he he wasn't around and uh, he wasn't there to support Miles whenever Miles needed him so that's come up in the in the gang war stuff but they're finally getting their own team book with the spectacular Spider-Man which is written by Gargoyle's own Greg Greg Weissman the spectacular Spider-Man Spider-Man exactly sorry did I misspeak <laughs> um and Mary Jane is joining forces with Felicia Hardy uh for an action packed limited series as Jackpot and Black Cat uh, meanwhile, we've also got you know every so often Star Wars and Spider Man and X Men release like a almost like a timeless issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what's coming up uh, this year? Well, we've got uh, Web of Spider Man, which promises to set up the next year's worth of Spider stories. And uh, one I know you're interested in as well. We'll be talking about later is uh, the new Miss Marvel book, uh, which is co-written by Iman Valani from uh, from the Miss Marvel uh, TV series and the Marvels movie yeah i mean following on from the the previous miss marvel series which was miss marvel the the next mutant uh which was really really cool series i believe i picked it as a pick of the month in one of our previous uh pods as well so this seems to be the follow-up to that which is uh under the name of mutant menace as well you know you've got some cool stuff with some of my favorite marvel characters you know me i'm a sucker for the spy side of the marvel universe the ground level stuff so there's a, a a great um it's almost like a tales of suspense lineup type thing 
which is going to be, you know, Black Widow and Hawkeye, which we'll certainly get to. Uh, the Alien universe is expanding into the the Marvel What Ifs with quite an exciting sounding title, which I have to say the pre-orders on already are crazy. Uh, Alien just does have that appeal. Mm-hmm. There's going to be you know a crossover with a couple of our favorite symbiotes in the Marvel universe as well. Uh, and then the last thing, certainly for me, and one, one thing I'll massively be looking forward to, uh, and again I'll speak about it in more detail. But I recently finished the Superior Spider-Man omnibus, mm-hmm. and. You know, what I'm finding with my omnibus reading is it's nearly all Marvel because growing up I was more of a DC kid, so I've missed all these big Marvel runs, so I'm really enjoying going back and rediscovering them, but uh, with uh, Dan Slott doing that, they may be starting his run from the start in omnibus form, and I may just have to be there for that as well, but I see the, the X-Universe is still going strong as well. Oh yeah, absolutely, we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, about that later on. Um, they've, they've Certainly they've contracted the titles in the... Uh, in the post Krakoa era, um, I mean that's what you always say whenever I'm trying to cut down my pull list. You're like it's all those X titles, and actually there's not that many of them anymore. Um, uh, Wolverine is top of the bunch at the minute uh, in March with the Sabretooth War stuff. I have to say, even I read the first issue of that. I'm not a big Wolverine reader, but uh-huh. uh, I read the first issue of Sabretooth War, which was class. Um, there is some pretty cool. We talked about the free comic book day stuff, but uh, there is some pretty cool. Uh, bits and pieces uh, in the in the omnibus uh, section as well you've mentioned spider-man but there's also daredevil shadowland omnibus with a john cassidy cover and uh, and a few other uh, bits and pieces the uh, the x-factor the original x-men omnibus uh, with uh, a simonson uh, first cover a few other bits and pieces but we'll get into it later absolutely yeah as i say tons to look forward to in the marvel book when it comes to the indie side of things there's again a little something for everyone i mean i think undoubtedly the the main um, the main showcase here, I would say, in terms of single issues in indie book, is from Distillery. You know, obviously we've spoken about them before. New publisher, you know, a lot of big guys on board as co-founders, the likes of Scott Snyder and Ram V and James Tinian and you know Brian Azrello, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there's three um titles solicited this month, which we'll get to. Some of them are advanced solicits. I think they're doing it in a similar way to what we were saying there about the Ultimate Universe, a new title each month, but they have given us details of three new titles coming out starting in March. Outside of that in the indie book, the main thing that catches my eye again is collected editions. Um, you know, there's a compendium coming for one of my favorite series. I know it's one that you said that you might be picking up. I don't think you've ever had the pleasure of reading, but you've read plenty of their uh, plenty of their work outside of that main one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're finally getting the second volume for one of Boom's hit series in terms of a lovely slipcase hardcover edition. A lot of people have been asking when that was going to come out. There's some re-releases for um, a certain Barbarian from the very, very start uh, in omnibus form. The Barbarian. The Barbarian. The barbarian and uh yeah and then there's there's a couple of cool single issue stuff um a couple of single issue series in there as well but yeah collected editions i think rule the roost in the independent uh book this month but we'll kick things off in more detail now as we always do with dc and believe it or not keith's gonna kick it off yeah absolutely um i wanted to pick this one because actually whenever chip zadarsky started writing batman i was a wee bit lukewarm on what he was doing but uh more recently uh the the last arc uh the the batman of uh of Zur, Zurana. Zurana, i can never remember that um batman of Zurana, and it's just really you know the, the multi-dimensional the, the dimension hopping stuff was all right 
the robot stuff was all right. The failsafe stuff, the mm-hmm. robot was all right. Uh, but whenever he started bringing it all together with a Batman of Zurana and all of that, this this current arc is phenomenal with Batman sort of losing his literally losing his mind to the the uh, the psychological failsafe that he's put in his own head. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think exploring that is is phenomenal and bringing everything together and uh, so. So we're leading into currently an arc called Joker Year One uh, off the back of this. And Chip will still be on uh, Batman for Batman 145 in March, uh, which is the beginning of a thrilling new arc called Dark Prisons. A jumping on point, I believe. Uh, It says, following the Joker Year One's stunning reveals, Batman must engineer an escape from Zur's prison. But what dark secrets uh, does Zur now hold that's a game changer for the Dark Knight? And the entire DC universe. So yeah, I mean, if you haven't been, if you haven't been on Batman, now would be a good time to jump on. I would say, um, I'd say and so. uh, and certainly I'd be, I'd be, uh, I'd be getting trading those last those last six or twelve issues. Uh, really good stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I'm I've been enjoying Chips Run the whole way through. Uh, I do think it has went up a notch though in the last couple of issues. Certainly bringing the yeah. Joker in as well, and as you say, leading to that Joker Year One, which is going to be a weekly event happening in February. Uh, but yeah, no, we always like to point out the jumping on points where we can. Otherwise, you know, if you look at Batman One Four Five, you think, do I need to read 144 <laughs> issues before this? Comics is a strange beast sometimes. Uh, but what is very much a number one is Suicide Squad Dream Team number one so this is a new suicide squad title coming to us from nicole mains uh art by eddie barrows who if you've read some quality nightwing certainly in the new 52 is a name you should be familiar with mm-hmm. uh also did some good stuff recently with task force Z. uh and eber Ferreira also doing some art on this as well so uh for this one when amanda waller makes her move to seize ultimate power in the dcu nothing will stand in her way not even the future. Spinning out of the events of Titans Beast World comes the story of Dreamer, the precog Dreamwalker who has run afoul of the most power-hungry villain in DCU history. With the super-powered hero be able, who can see the future on her side, is Waller's Suicide Squad finally unstoppable? And then this is where it's interesting. It's a really interesting team. Join Harley Quinn, Bizarro, Clock King, Black Alice and Deadeye for the fight for DC's future huh? and the next big step towards the cataclysmic event of 2024. That is an interesting team. The reason I find it interesting is see when they put all big level names in Suicide Squad, it's pointless because mm-hmm. Suicide Squad is supposed to be expendable. Yeah. This is the, the difference between the first movie and the second movie for me. The first one, you knew Will Smith was not going to die. You knew Harley Quinn was not going to die. You knew Captain Boomerang was not going to die, etc., etc. When it came to the second one, spoilers for a couple-year-old movie, within the first five minutes, Captain Boomerang was dead. Uh-huh. You know, so it was sort of a, we're going to send you into the middle of nowhere and, you know, you're expendable, you die. Oh, well, another one will come in your place. Hydra style, if you will. Uh, so, yeah, that looks really cool. And again, pre-orders that are actually pretty strong so far. And, uh, I mean, Amanda Waller really really is solidifying her her position in the DC Universe currently uh, through, through Beast World and a number of other issues. It's been popping up in a few series she along has. the way. So it's, uh, it's all building to something, as that does, um, does seem to suggest. Green Arrow as well, she's been... Yep. Sticking yep. her, her nose in there too. Yeah. So uh, Amanda Waller, watch. Where, where's Waller, if you will? Oh. The wall. Let's see what it is. <laughs> uh, next up is a three issue miniseries, which I must admit is not. It's with a character I'm not too familiar with. No, not Batman, but Dylan Dog. This is called Batman Dylan Dog number one. Now, this is going to be a three issue miniseries. 
Um, the subtitle to it is DC's World's Greatest Detective and Sergio Benelli's Nightmare Investigator Unites. So the preview pages in this look really, really cool. Uh, it's written by Roberto Riccioni, art by Gigi Cavanago and Werther Deladera. Werther Deladera you may recognize from. Something is Killing the Something Children. Something is Killing the Children and not someone who's done an awful lot of DC work, it must be said. Uh, so see how the fates of Batman and Dylan Dog intertwined in the past through their lethal nemeses. The Joker, the Clown Prince of Crime of Gotham and Professor Zabaris, a mad genius with a taste for bringing the dead back to life. Joker is in London to seal a hellish pact with Dylan Dog's nemesis, the Mistephelian Zabaris. The doorbell of Craven Road number 7 screams and beyond the doorway, Bruce Wayne appears. For the Nightmare Investigator, an incredible adventure begins side by side with the Dark Knight. They'll have to forge an uneasy alliance, putting aside their differences in order to successfully confront and defeat an evil that comes from the past. So that sounds very, very different, very trippy for a Batman title. Uh, well, I mean, that would be the Dylan Dog influence. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dylan Dog um, was an Italian uh, character, a supernatural investigator that was, uh, I think, was created in the mid-80s. And as you say, was published by Sergio Benelli. Uh, so the the character the, the the series stars Dylan Dog, who you know he, he investigates all these supernatural elements, werewolves and and demons and ghosts and vampires and and all of those sorts of things, and uh, also sort of sociopathic criminals with a with a horror horror bent and serial killers, and that's I suppose that's where he crosses over with Batman a wee bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, the whole thing has got this. Uh, vein of surrealism and absurdism and um, like an anti-bourgeois sort of uh, rhetoric to it as well. So mm-hmm. and uh, well known for always wearing the same clothes. Uh, so Dylan Dog was it was like a it's like a red a red top and I can't remember, but he always dresses exactly the same. As I said, just it sounds a bit like a Batman title with a bit of a twist as well. So I think that looks really, really cool. And then just one last Batman one just from myself, which is a new miniseries, Batman Dark Age, number one. Now, you may have read recently a title called Superman Space Age, uh, which was a three or four oversized issue miniseries. But it was written by Mark Russell with art by Mike Allred. And this is basically set in the same universe as that. It's essentially their follow-up to Superman Space Age, which is Batman Dark Age. So, meet Bruce Wayne, Gotham's favourite delinquent son. In an origin story like no other, witness the boy become a dark knight shaped by a city in turmoil as it marches towards his prophesied doom. Set against the backdrop of actual historical events, Gotham comes alive, filled with the iconic characters who you've loved and, bat- loved and hated Batman over the years like you've never seen them before. Spitting out of the Eisner-nominated Superman Space Age, Mark Russell and Michael Allred return to give audiences uh, yeah. a look at Batman as a figure in American history fighting for justice in a world gone mad. And just at the mention of Superman Space Age, the trade for that is also solicited this month mm-hmm. and should be coming out in uh, March time also. Just as you were talking, I was trying to get my head around who the creative team were, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it all makes sense in the end, I can assure you. So uh, that's all Batman for me, but maybe some Batman from you. Uh, well, some Batman with a with a liberal springing of uh, of the the Big Blue Boy Scout as well. Um, so March brings us an oversized issue of Batman Superman World's Finest, and that's issue twenty five. And we witness the first meeting between the Joker and Lex Luthor. Join Batman and Superman as the world's finest team celebrates 25 issues of World's Finest. This oversized special issue takes our heroes around the DCU and beyond with a special lead story that will showcase the first meeting between the Joker and Lex Luthor. The world's finest villains 
uh, form an unholy alliance and will sit that will send chills down chills down your spine and the spines of DC's heroes forevermore. Plus, spinning out of the events of World's Finest Annual, uh, Doommite strikes and points the way to the next World's Finest epic. So that's written by Mark Wade, with art by Dan Mora and Steve Pugh, and a load of variant covers. Jamal Campbell, Dustin Nguyen, Dave Johnson, Joel Jones, and Alvaro Martinez Bueno. But uh, the most interesting of those is the, um, is the legendary Star Trek actor, Will Shatner, uh, Captain Kirk himself cameoing on a special variant cover by series artist Dan Mora if I can get that one I will definitely be uh, it's a free order one I believe brilliant they did the same with Batman Superman World's Finest number one there was a Jerry Seinfeld variant cover uh-huh. also drawn by Dan Mora uh, Jerry's known as one of the biggest Superman fans in the world so uh, it was well, an incredible honour for him but they he did a show called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee and the variant cover was him in the Batmobile with Batman drinking a coffee. Um, what's the connection between Bill Shatner and uh, and World's Finest? I wonder, or is it just that? Is it just that Dan Mora is a is a fan? Maybe just a fan. I'm I'm really not too sure. Um, yeah, there you are. Um, so another we stay in, I suppose, in the in the bat in the bat verse. Um, we're uh, we're pinpointing uh, in compendium style. The early solo adventures of Dick Gresham collected in one volume and for the first time in Nightwing and Night in Bloodhaven Compendium 1 written by Chuck Dixon, Denny O'Neill, uh, Devin Grayson, art by Scott McDaniel, Carl Story and others. Uh, it is a 1,024 page bad boy. Uh, Nightwing flies solo as Dick Grayson leaves Gotham behind, making Bloodhaven his new home. Nightwing will become the city's protector, all while uh, uncovering facts about the murder of his parents, upending the plots of Assassin and forging his own path out of the shadow of the Batman. It collects Nightwing, volume 1, number 1 to 4, volume 2, number 1 to 25, number 1000, Nightwing Annual 1, World Presents, Nightwing uh, number half, Nightwing and the Hunters, number 1 to 4, Green Arrow, volume 2, uh, and some detective comics as well, so uh, all of which I have in singles. Uh, but if you're not lucky enough to uh, to be in that position, then uh, I would highly uh, I would highly recommend. Yeah, I mean, it's something that's great to see. DC are doing this more and more. They're sort of going back to the 90s and the 2000s and all the pre-New 52 stuff, and they're starting to put these compendiums together. And it's really good to see as well, because it would have been easy for them to put these all into omnibus form. Omnibuses, though, carry a $100 price point straight away, mm-hmm. uh, minimum, whereas these compendiums, they're more in line with, like, you know, the Invincible compendiums yeah. and the, yeah. the Walking Dead compendiums. So these come in at $60, so it come in at about £55 for 1,024 pages. Mm. So it makes them more accessible for people, you know, because it has that slightly lower price point. I mean... And they, they look just as nice. They're just a wee bit harder to look after if you're... Yeah. 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 I mean, even just looking across the page there, you know, there's 52, Volume 1. And again, this is going to be the first 26 issues of 52. And again, that's going to be $50. Uh-huh. And again, that would have been easy to put into an omnibus and go oh, $100 price point. So, yeah, I think this is something DC are working on quite a bit at the moment is good value collected editions, mm. which is great to see. Um, I mean, I'm going to finish off with just a couple of collected editions. Uh, unsurprisingly, two of them are Batman, two of them I own. Two of these I will not need, but it's just to let you guys know about them because they're it's two, not all about us. They're two of my favorite stories, so they come ridiculously highly recommended. The first one is Batman: The Black Mirror. This is a deluxe edition. So this was my introduction to single issue collecting when it comes to Batman. Uh, I'd been reading uh, American Vampire at the time and heard of this guy Scott Snyder, and he was starting to do a run on detective comics. 
So this is pre-new 52. Uh, it was from around 871, I think, to uh, 881. And this story was brilliant. You know, Batman the Black Mirror is Dick Grayson as Batman. So it's, I think, instantly it has Keith's attention. This was during a time where Bruce was basically, had been put through time after Final Crisis. Batman, Batman R.I.P. Batman R.I.P. Uh-huh. slash Final Crisis, yeah. So written by Scott Snyder. And the art was two different artists working perfectly in sync. So it was Jock and Francesco Francovia. So Jock handled the, the Dick Grayson Batman parts of the story. And Francovia handled the um, Commissioner Gordon parts of the story. Because the whole story is to do with Commissioner Gordon's long forgotten son coming back to gotham oh, everyone yeah. seems to forget in batman year one when bruce dives over the bridge to catch a baby that's been thrown over that gordon has a son everybody just remembers <laughs> gordon has a daughter well he's, he's turned up a few times since hasn't he turned up a few times since but this was his first major reintroduction where he had been sent away because he had psychiatric problems and then suddenly these murders start happening in gotham you know is it him is it someone trying to frame him? That kind of thing. But also, he was a childhood friend of Dick's as well. So there's a personal connection there. But brilliant book. It's going to be coming out in a new deluxe edition. Um, so that's going to be a deluxe hardcover. Uh, it's going to have all the issues as well as additional bonus material featuring sketches, designs, a brand new wraparound cover by Jock and more. Um, you can get it just in a standard trade paperback as well. But it is a story deserving of that sort of deluxe treatment, I would say. What else have you got? Well, the other one I wanted to mention is, again, it's one that I've got, but again, one I would highly recommend, and it's the absolute edition of Batman Arkham Asylum. So, well-known as one of the best-selling Batman books of all time. Grant Morrison has said it made him a millionaire overnight, hmm. um, which is kind of interesting. I don't I don't think many comic creators these days are becoming millionaires overnight. No, definitely. Different, uh, different economy. Very much so, very much so. But um, Absolute Batman Arkham Asylum was... Grant Morrison writing and Dave McKean on art. And the story is so, so simple. Joker's taking people hostage in Arkham. He says the only way I'll release him is Batman comes in. The whole story becomes an exploration of does Batman belong in this asylum with the rest of them? Uh, Amazing book. um, Really, really thought-provoking. The art is phenomenal, which is why I think it deserves the absolute treatment. And uh, yeah, I really can't recommend that enough. But as well as the book as well, you've got 100 pages of behind-the-scenes content completed, including an annotated script, sketches, pinup gallery, afterwards by Grant Morrison, Dave McKean, and even series editor Karen Berger, who essentially created DC Vertigo. Yeah, that's a chunky package. Oh, it's it's a brilliant book. As I say, I've got it. This is a 2024 edition, um, so hopefully there's no extra material in it. Otherwise, I might have to buy it again. Oh, no. What's the price point? Uh, so that's a $90 absolute. Mm-hmm. So that is that. And then the very last one to mention, believe it or not, it's not even Batman. Uh, You may be shocked to know. But uh, it's one of my favorite characters in DC that is certainly not around enough these days, I would say. Um, You only really see her appear in Justice League Dark every so often. And that character is Zatanna. And what they're doing is they are reprinting Zatanna by Paul Dini. So Paul Dini, of course, well known as, you know, creator, co-creator of Batman the Animated Series, you know, co-creator of Harley Quinn, all that kind of stuff. But he did an amazing run on Zatanna uh, for 16 issues, had beautiful Adam Hughes covers every time, and then a bit of a rotating artist gallery with it. But uh, 
this is coming out Satana by Paul Dinadian chanting Satana Satara has the hottest stage act in Vegas and unlike the parlor tricks peddled by other would-be Houdinis around town Satana's magic is no illusion it is real the dazzling mistress of magic can warp reality with just a few backward words but the supernatural is powerful and in the wrong hands it's deadly so when mystical menaces start causing trouble Z steps in to stop them from the evil sorcerer brother knight to possessed puppets to nightmare demons but things get complicated fast when the foe is the ghost of someone she loves so this contains that 16 issue run but also a couple of one shots satana everyday magic and dc infinite halloween special so highly highly recommend that run a very very underrated run uh, and nice to recommend something that's not batman yeah i was not <laughs> aware of it um i'm always interested whenever satana appears uh you know as a character in in, in other books mm-hmm. uh, and her her weird backwards backwards magic um she's uh she's popped up in beast world uh, yeah. obviously because it's such a an all-encompassing crossover but uh yeah it was just when you were talking there i was just thinking oh mark miller runs Zatanna uh, after the magic order that would be interesting <laughs> and very adult <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely dc black label title uh-huh. waiting to happen right there uh so yeah so that's pretty much us from the realm of dc and we'll jump from there and straight into marvel um and yeah i'm, I'm gonna kick it off myself here for the simple reason that Certainly being a store owner, I can see the effect that the the return of the Ultimate Universe seems to be having. And Tell ult- us a wee bit about that. So Ultimate Spider-Man came out last week. Uh, normally for the racks, I'll order, you know, we're a small store by comparison to so many, but normally I'll order four or five, maybe six number ones for the racks on top of my pull list orders. So we had about 25 people on pull list for Ultimate Spider-Man, so I thought, screw it, I'm going to go big in this, I think this is going to be big. So I had 20 copies for the racks on day one. By Thursday morning, they were all gone. I ordered in eight different variants for Ultimate Spider-Man number one. By Thursday morning, they were all gone. On Saturday when I was working, I must have got asked by at least 20 people, do you have that Ultimate Spider-Man number one? Now, the unfortunate thing is other retailers are price gouging at the moment. People are buying it, reading it, and then selling it for extortionate prices, which is really, really frustrating because it really does deserve to get into as many hands as possible. It is a uh, brilliant number one. Spotted a twenty-five pound copy earlier on. Twenty-five pound copy, you know. I I will never name and shame. Like people are free to run their businesses how they like, but it's just something that frustrates me because I think as a store you have a moral responsibility to get those titles into people's hands at cover price. Mm. So with that, the Ultimate Universe kicking off in such a big way, I think there's going to be a lot of interest in it. So there is a second printing of Ultimate Spider-Man on the way. If you did miss out, uh, although we do have a couple of number ones coming in, but they may even be gone by the time this is released. But like all, all I can say is. Roddy McCants is a lucky boy. Roddy McCants is a lucky boy. He wings it all the time, but what Sometimes can I say? you wing it for him. I look after the people who are good to us. So, um, so yeah, we managed to sort out all our regulars, which was nice, and and a few besides. But so that was Ultimate Spider-Man number one. You've Ultimate Black Panther in February, which I'm seeing the the pre-orders start to go up for, and then in March we've got Ultimate X-Men number one. And Keith had mentioned it in the intro, this is being spearheaded completely by Peach Momoko, both writing and drawing. Uh, I think she essentially got the gig after um, cutting her teeth, so to speak, on the Demon Wars stuff. Yeah. Uh, proving she could deliver the books on time, to a high quality, and to good sales. So, But it's going to be a very different Ultimate X-Men, I would say, because this is not Ultimate X-Men, here's Wolverine, here's Cyclops, here's yeah. Beast, you know, all that kind of stuff. So... Uh, visionary creator Peach Momoko creates a new generation of X-Men for an all-new universe. 
Hisako Ichiki is a teenage girl who just wants to live a normal life, go to school, hang out with her friends, ignore the political uh, strife broiling over after the events of Ultimate Invasion, but life has other plans for her. In Japan, urban legends have sprung to life and brought some unusual new powers with them. Meet Armor, Maystorm and a group of new Ultimate X-Men, the likes of which you have never seen before. So as I say, based on the interest of the Ultimate Universe, I highly recommend if you're interested in it, get those pre-orders in early because the the books are they're, they've brought a real level of excitement to Marvel, I would say, and a real anticipation to Marvel for kicking off 2024, and that can only be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, Armor is an existing uh, an existing character within the the Marvel universe within the X Men universe. I think that's the same mm-hmm. the same character rather than just the same code name. And if I recall, was Armor was Armor created by Joss Whedon? Uh, back in the day, that would have been astonishing X Men. Yeah, I think so. I can't quite remember if if he created her or not, but she's been around for for a fair wee while. But those other names are not are not familiar to me. Um, but names that are familiar to me, nice segue. Uh, are the names of Peter Parker and Miles Morales, uh, both amazing Spider Men uh, and the spectacular Spider Man number one is what's bringing them together, and that's by uh, by animated series uh, producing and writing legend uh, Greg Weissman, who is currently doing such fantastic work on the series that he birthed, Gargoyles. Uh, he was also the, the writer and the producer for that and the creator for that original uh, Disney cartoon series. And art is by Humberto Ramos. So this is... Uh, Spider-Man this is legend. Yeah, absolutely a must. So the stars of two of Marvel's biggest series come together in their first ongoing series. That's right. Peter Parker and Miles Morales are going to team up on the regular, comparing notes and using said notes to take on some of their most dangerous bad guys. This duo is better than dynamic, amazing, sensational, superior, and superior. They're spectacular. And with Greg Weissman, writer of fan-favorite animated Spectacular Spider-Man series, there's what I missed, uh, returning to Spidey along with Spider-Man legend Umberto Ramos, you know it's going to be epic. So this first issue is 40 pages, coming in at the 4 price point. Um, we've got a, a foil variant cover by David Marquez, uh, variant covers by David Nakayama, Sean Galloway, uh, Dyke Ruan, and a few to be announced. So, uh, looks like fantastic stuff. Uh, I am really looking forward to uh, to seeing Weissman on uh, on Spider Man again. Um, let me see what else have I got for you. Uh, just flicking the page here, uh, we have the continuation of. Uh, Benjamin Percy's Ghost Rider. Uh, you've been enjoying that particular series? Oh, it's up there with Marvel's Best for me, and it managed to reach a massive issue 21, yep. which I understand is not really a common thing in Ghost Rider. It normally la- lasts like seven issues, eight yep. issues. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, John Blaze, Johnny Blaze, the Ghost Rider, is, uh, is a stalwart of the Marvel Universe, the original Ghost Rider. Uh, and he, as you say, we've had 21 issues uh, with Benjamin Percy. Uh, so this is a relaunching of uh, of Ghost Rider uh, with a new number one by Benjamin Percy with art by uh, by Danny Kim. Uh, a bunch of variant covers, one by Greg Capullo, one by Mark Texiera, Tex- yep, and uh, and a few others. But the the last volume of Ghost Rider ended with the, the proclamation that the Ghost Rider was never supposed to be a hero. It's a spirit of vengeance, and it was Johnny that. That, uh, that turned it uh, turned it that way so who is the new spirit of vengeance Johnny Blaze was bonded with the spirit of vengeance unwilling to be a monster Johnny used this demon from hell to do good as the ghost rider 
But heroism isn't what the Ghost Rider was meant for, so who will be the new spirit of vengeance? What will it mean for the Marvel Universe? Find out in this extra-sized first issue by writer Benjamin Percy and hot new art sensation Danny Kim. So, uh, Percy's on Ghost Rider. Uh, I'm on Ghost Rider. That's, uh, that's all there is to it. Yeah, I suppose it's one of those things. It's I know it can be frustrating to some people that, you know, it goes back to number one, it goes back to number one, but... You know, there's, you've seen a continuation of things going back to the moment, but it being the same creators continuing on it. I think they're just creating jumping on points for people. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say to someone, oh, jump on the Ghost Rider at number 22. But jump on to Batman at issue 145. Exactly. You yeah. know, you, stores can point it out as much as possible. But I think, you know, subconsciously people are thinking this is not a number one sort yeah. of thing, you know. So, yeah. But you're seeing it more and more with Marvel. I mean, Declan Shelby recently just did Alien and then went back to number one with that. Rainbow Royale and Rainbow Sensational Royale She-Hulk. Yeah. Sensational She-Hulk was another one. Um, there's been a few examples of it. Um, I mean, I'm literally about to talk about another one because there was a Miss Marvel series, which was four issues by pretty much the same creators. And now here comes another one. But again, I think it's just about trying to make it as easy as possible for people who are maybe not so familiar with the comics industry. Um, and as I say, that one is Miss Marvel is up next, which is Miss Marvel Mutant Menace. So written by Iman Villani, who of course plays Miss Marvel in the show, in the Marvel's movie as well. So well, so and well. All round seems to be more knowledgeable about Marvel comics than Kevin Feige. <laughs> Uh, it's co-written by Sabir Prasada as well, with art by Scott Godlowski. And this is Miss Marvel Mute Menace number one of four, Hated and Feared. Miss Marvel has officially come out to the world as a mutant and a member of the X-Men. And she's about to learn just how hard things can get for mutant kind. Kamala Khan is used to being a hometown hero. There's no way her community would turn on her just because she's a mutant, right? Right? The writers of the hit Miss Marvel, the new mutant miniseries, including the MCU's own Kamala Khan, Iman Vellani, return to chronicle Miss Marvel's next steps into exploring her mutant identity. Now, as I say, the first issue was a lot, or the first um, series. miniseries yeah. was a lot of fun. Uh, well written, really well drawn, and, and just as I say, a lot of fun. So definitely worth jumping on that. Another one that appeals to me here, and this seems to be part of uh, Marvel's celebration of these characters, given that this is 60 years since they first appeared, and that is Black Widow and Hawkeye. This is a brand new number one, a mini-series of four issues again. Stephanie Phillips on writing, that's a good start straight away, and Paolo Villanelli on art. Covered by Steven Segovia, you've got your usual um, variants there, Archer, Mark Brooks, those kind of guys. So the eyes of a hawk and the venom of a widow, mm. which is interesting at the moment because Black Widow actually has the venom symbiote. And as I understand it, she will be wearing the venom, or a venom symbiote, it's not actually the venom symbiote, mm -hmm. it is uh, it is a symbiote, but she'll be wearing it in this particular uh, series that as well. she will, that she will. Even when Black Widow and Hawkeye had no one to trust, they still had each other, even, through, even though their paths sometimes diverged. So when Clint Barton is accused of a rogue assassination attempt that puts the US and Madripoor at odds, a symbiote-equipped Natasha Romanoff thinks nothing of coming to his aid but as echoes of their past ripple into the present that will take all their faith in each other and the lessons learned along the way to protect their futures join fan favorite creator stephanie phillips and Paolo villanelli as they celebrate 60 years of black widow and hawkeye in this new chapter in the pair's storied legacy so yeah looks like really really good fun that uh, and again another four issue mini series which you see more and more through marvel i would say um you know they, they have certainly their big ongoings and some longer runs for characters but there are a lot of sort of four slash five issue minis um, I'm going to swing back into the friendly neighbourhood for a moment, uh, and maybe the not-so-friendly neighbourhood. 
Um, first up uh, uh, in Spider-Man corner here, we have Web of Spider-Man number one. Now, I kind of got excited because whenever I saw this, because Web of Spider-Man is an old school uh, Spider-Man title. Uh, you know, like a web of Spider-Man, amazing Spider-Man. You thought you were getting a new web and a new spectacular yeah, in the same month. Um, but what this is, is a one-shot uh, in, the, in the sort of, I guess, the ilk of uh, the timeless one-shots that uh, Jed McKay and... Uh, uh, who wrote it this year? Lansing and... Oh, I can't remember. Was it Kelly and Lansing? Kelly and Lansing wrote yeah. it, yeah, this year. Anyway, so it's it's kind of a... Uh, state of the union uh, on what's gonna what's coming up uh, here in, in 2024. So we've got Zeb Wells, Cody Ziglar, Steve Fox, Alex uh, Segura, and Greg Weissman, with John Romita Jr., Ed McGuinness, Greg Land, and others on art. Um, 2024 is primed to be one of the biggest years in Spider history, and you've only seen the tip of the iceberg. In the pages of this one shot, we're going to try and lay out some of the biggest upcoming Spider stories and characters in the Spider Verse through the beginning of 2025. Uh, and you aren't going to want to miss this. It is a one-shot. It's 56 pages. Uh, I'm a sucker for these things. The uh, the, the Star Wars Revelations one uh, last month was pretty interesting. There was, uh, well, there was interesting parts anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for these. And uh, then into the, uh, the future-friendly neighbourhood where Peter David uh, is back on one of his symbiote Spider-Man series. There's been a bunch of these over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, you know, the starting with um, nearly one of those uh, retro series, you know, where Spider-Man first had the symbiote, and then we've been... There was a King and Black one. Yeah, there was a King and Black one and a few others. Um, so Peter David and Roger Antonio uh, on this with a cover by Leno Francis Yu and a few... Um, a few variant covers, one by Greg Land, who was the artist on these last few, and I'm sure there'll be people celebrating that he's not the artist uh, on this. But Peter David returns to the symbiote Spider-Man saga. Set your time circuits ahead to the techno-dystopian future of 2099, one of my favourite places. Uh, Comic legend Peter David, the Incredible Hulk, symbiote Spider-Man, and the original creator of Spider-Man 2099, triumphantly turns to pen the next epic chapter of the symbiote Spider-Man saga. Ooh, say that three times fast, alongside uh, artist Roger Antonio from Carnage. Set your time circuits ahead to the techno-dystopian future of 2099. Miguel O'Hara, a.k.a. Spider-Man 2099, is facing a hostile takeover of his own body. Cron Stone, the venom of 2099, wedges an all-out assault on Alchemax, and the only hope stopping him of stopping him lies in the power awakened by the top-secret project gone terribly wrong. What must Miguel sacrifice to seal the bond with this new symbiote? His mind? His body? His very soul. Uh, this is going to be a five-issue miniseries, and I am very much looking forward to it. So would you just glad to see a Spider-Man 2099 series that Steve Orlando is not writing? Yeah, absolutely. Though, <laughs> I mean, I did read the first issue of Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099, by self-same writer Steve Orlando this morning. It's the first of a four- or five-issue series. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's written the last few. This first issue was better than the last two series. Uh, seems a wee bit more paced. It brought in Blade twenty ninety nine, who's a zombie rather than a vampire, mm-hmm. and a few other things. So it looks like we're taking a, you know, the first issue we had zombies, the second issue we've got Dracula. So let let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Uh, I'm gonna. <laughs> I love your optimism yeah, for yeah. Miguel O'Hara and and, and uh, Steve Orlando <laughs> in this case. Yeah, because that's the thing. I mean, I don't have a lot of experience with Miguel O'Hara, but he did pop into Superior Spider Man, and that did 
get me a little interest. Yeah, a I should. Uh, I should. I've got the uh, the omnibus, the Spider Man twenty nine, an original mm-hmm. omnibus by uh, Peter David Peter and David. Rick Leonardi. So I should. I should loan you that, and you should. Big bad boy. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it. It's a. It's a a weighty tome. It is a weighty tome. A weighty tome. Uh, next up is a book that pre-orders are already through the roof for this, for certainly an art store. Uh, clearly, we have a lot of Aliens fans, and that is because they're now branching out into the mar- the very classic Marvel moniker of What If, uh, with Aliens What If number one. And the What If of this is What If Carter Burke Had Lived. Uh, Carter Burke, the, uh, the, 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 the original the, corporate asshole. The original corporate asshole who was strangely likeable. Uh, until until he as, wasn't likable as yeah. played by Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser, yeah, he was he was pretty much Ripley's friend the whole time, and then suddenly it was no, no, we got to bring this home. Uh-huh. And he died on uh, on LV four nine four two eight four two eight, yeah, whatever. Uh, uh, listen to those spoilers for a forty year old movie. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, Aliens, what if? So it's what if he had lived, obviously, because as Kate says, he did die. He was uh, trapped in a corridor with an alien, I believe. Uh, but yeah, what if he had lived? For years, fans of James Cameron's legendary Aliens question whether Carter Burke, a company man more hateable than the Xenos themselves, as Ripley does say, I mean, you don't see them fucking each other for a percentage. <laughs> Uh, what if he had actually survived the traumatic events on the terraforming colony Hadley's Hope? Now the actor behind the beloved villain, Paul Reiser himself, joins his son Leon and a star-studded team of writers and producers uh, for a journey back to Hadley's Hope and the twisted escape of a man who should have died. So yeah, that uh, that sounds really, really cool. And as I say, the pre-orders for that are genuinely already really, really strong. Um, just that is, as- uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of interesting because I... I came at Paul Reiser from a slightly different angle before I knew him as Carter Burke. I knew him as one of the dads in My Two Dads, mm-hmm. which was a, a, a late 80s, early 90s TV show uh, about uh, these two men, either of which could have been the father of this teenage daughter, mm-hmm. uh, and they raised her together. Uh, so it was a, it was kind of a lighthearted comedy. So I, I knew him from that. But, uh, I mean, obviously he was well known then for Beverly Hills Cop, and Beverly Hills Cop 2 and I think he's in the new Beverly Hills Cop mm-hmm. Axel F uh, and a few other th- oh and he was in uh, he was in Stranger Things as well I think oh yes but yes. yeah always an actor I've liked so uh, be interesting to see him on or, uh, well I, uh, how much writing he's actually doing you know or whatever else but yeah yeah, we shall see. We shall see. Another thing worth mentioning, certainly, I would, I of course, was talking about the 60-year celebration of um, 60 year celebration of Black Widow and Hawkeye. Well, it's the 40-year celebration of Secret Wars, which, of course, is the 40-year celebration of the symbiote entering into the Marvel Universe as well, uh, which, of course, would later on become Venom. So there's going to be a crossover event between Venom and Carnage. So Venom at the moment is being written by Toron Grombeck with art by Ken Lashley, and Carnage is being written by... Toron Grombeck. Actually, Toron and Al Ewing are sharing writing. Well, yeah, they flip back yeah. and forth on Venom. It depends where it uh, uh, she, where, she, where the story is. Basically, she took over from Ram, and yeah. I think she writing more. He Al Ewing's writing more the Eddie Brock stuff. Yeah, the King and she's Black writing thing, more the Dylan stuff. The Dylan stuff. Yeah, yeah. So the reason I mentioned here is she's also writing Carnage and. An event is starting in Venom 31, which then continues in Carnage number 5, and then I presume will uh, possibly continue in the next couple of issues as well. It's an arc called Flesh and Blood, 
Uh, so it kicks off in Venom 31 with Carnage's back, born anew in symbiote goo and blood. Cletus Caste is more dangerous and violent than ever before, and he has a set sight, um, his sights dead set on an unsuspecting Venom. Untested against the might of his symbiotic sibling without his father by his side, will Dylan Brock be able to hold back the sadistic serial killer? Or will Carnage live up to his namesake and leave another brutalized symbiote host in its wake? And again, that continues on to Carnage number 5. Following the events of Venom 31, Carnage has Dylan. But is Dylan just bait for Eddie, the Keenan Black himself? Time for some bloody brother bonding. So, yeah, um, should be worth a look that. I mean, I'm already on Venom and Carnage anyway, so uh, thankfully I will already be jumping on both of those. I am on Venom, but not on Carnage, so I'll... I'll see what uh, I'll see what uh, the Venom side of things brings, and uh, and I'll maybe uh, well at least it kicks off in Venom for you, and then you can decide. Yeah, do exactly. I want the next yeah, part? absolutely. Again, part of my trying to <laughs> keep things trim. Uh, another uh, another attempt to keep things trim is not pre-ordering this and maybe picking it up uh, in trade, uh, but. We'll see how long that lasts. Um, is there an X on it, Keith? There is an X on there it. There we go. Yeah, there is an X on it. And it. Uh, so last week, or the week before, there was a book, a one-shot book called by, by Christos Gage called uh, The Original X-Men. And I don't know if you recall, but uh, a bunch of years ago, uh, in order to try and bring Scott back to make him understand how far they had drifted from, from who they were, Beast went into the past, got the original X-Men, the original five, mm-hmm. and brought them to the present where they ended up trapped and they had a, a series, uh, was it X-Men Gold? X-Men Blue? I can't remember what it was. X-Men, yeah, I can't remember what it was. But uh, so the, 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 eventually the young X-Men had their memories wiped and were returned mm-hmm. uh, to the past before young Cable uh, had to kill them, which would have been an issue. <laughs> but so there was a one-shot... Um, a couple of weeks ago called The Original X-Men, in which Jean Grey, who has recently uh, been murdered uh, and is in the White Hot Room, goes to a version of Green Jean Grey, uh, finds The Original X-Men, says, listen, only you five can complete this mission. Uh, you have been in the future before, you just don't remember it, but I need you to do a thing because there's an evil version of me who is really screwing things up and I need you to go and find the alternate older versions of yourselves and convince them that you know, Jean Grey's a bit of a dick. Mm-hmm. So this is a continue. That's a long story short, or maybe a long story long. But uh, it was a really good. It was a really good one shot. I really enjoyed it. Uh, seeing the young X Men again, seeing the older alternate versions of themselves. So this continues on in another book by Christos Gage called Weapon X Men, and it's the first of a four issue miniseries. Christos Gage is uh, is the writer. Uh, Yildare Sinar. Uh, who was recently, well, I don't know, last thing was the Marvels, maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember the the, uh, the 12-issue series from a couple of years back? He's been on other stuff since, but I can't remember what. Um, anyway, a multiverse of Logan's bands together in original X-Men, the one shot that I've just been referring to, uh, you saw the Phoenix recruit the young X-Men to fix yet another time-displaced disaster, but now the threat is deadlier than ever. It's time to call in the X-Men's big gun. He's the best there is at what he does in every universe he does it in. And this job is too big for just one of them. Wolverines from across the multiverse converge to take on a foe, even the Phoenix fears. But with friends like Zombie Wolverine, who needs enemies? Christos Gage and uh, Yildre Sinar kick off an action-packed epic. And the... Uh, 
The Wolverine we're seeing on the front cover is the Wolverine from Age of Apocalypse, Weapon X, the the one-handed Wolverine. So obviously that uh, that has me a little excited, uh, but I'm trying my best to resist. Yeah, that resistance is futile. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> what I am not going to resist uh, staying in the X-Men side of the universe is X-Men Forever. Uh, this is the first issue of another four-part series. Uh, it's by Kieran Gillen, so it's a direct uh, follow-on from Immortal X-Men. Which has been one of the best of the the X recently just finished. Yeah, absolutely, and that's yeah, that's where this is this is picking up. So X Men Forever number one of four. Uh, Kieran Gillen is the writer. Luca Moresca is the artist. There's a lovely uh, cover of uh, by Mark Brooks, which has a uh, Jean Jean Grey lying in possible deathly repose, and uh, the phoenix shaped out of uh, the blood splatter uh, behind her. It's pretty cool. Uh, Haunted House of X. How can you kill a digital god? What do you do when the phoenix is bleeding out into nothing? There's been questions that have haunted you since the end of Immortal X-Men. Finally, some answers. There's also been some questions that have haunted you since the start of Immortal X-Men. Finally, some answers too. Tying directly into the pages of the epic fall of the House of X and rise of the powers of ten comes the story. Uh, comes a story of revelation from Kieran Gillen, uh... Immortal X-Men and Luca Moresca, Children of the Vault. Children of the Vault was actually really enjoyable, as it turned out. A really, really yeah, cool... Yeah, I remember it was one yeah. you just picked up the number one of. and then, I picked up the rest. It was yeah. uh, a Cable Bishop team, team up against the, the Children of Tomorrow. It was very, very good. Um, so staying uh, staying in, uh, in the X-Men corner of the universe, but shifting year a little bit, uh, we find ourselves with X-Men 97, as in 1997, uh, number one of four by Steve Fox and Salva Espin with a cover by X-Men legend uh, Todd Nook. Um, the official prelude to the hotly anticipated Disney Plus show. The X-Men are back and the 90s have never looked better. And this official prelude to the upcoming X-Men 97 created in collaboration with the showrunners. Discover what Storm, Jubilee, Wolverine and the rest of the beloved 90s X-Men cast have been up to uh, in the time before their return. Starting revelations here uh, lead directly into the hotly anticipated new series, Don't Miss Out. Um, so obviously that is uh, kind of a follow-up uh, to the X-Men 1997 series, but also a prelude to the upcoming uh, reboot of the X-Men 1997 series. Uh, I believe you can watch that animated series in Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I think uh, it added recently. It was, the, it was the gateway drug for a lot of people into X-Men, so... Uh, I highly recommend having a look at it, picking that up, and then uh, looking forward to the new series. I wonder, will it stand up? Fingers crossed. I wonder, will it stand up as well as the likes of uh, Masters of the Universe, Mm -hmm. uh, Revelation, and uh, the upcoming Revolution? Uh, the trailer for that looks awesome. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you saw you were showing a few people in the show or that trailer the other uh, day, weren't you? Roddy specifically. We yeah. were talking about G.I. Joe, so we ended up talking about you know all of that. Well, speaking about Gateways Into, uh, having recently completed the Superior Spider-Man omnibus, I think that was my Gateway Into Dan Slot era Spider-Man, and uh-huh. it seems perfect timing on my part because this month's previews book has a solicitation for Spider-Man Brand New Day Omnibus Volume 1 hardcover, essentially the start of Dan Slot's run. I believe this followed One More Day, which was the end done by Michael Straczynski. That's correct. Um, so, but which this, you've also read, haven't you? I have read the first omnibus of Straczynski, but not the second omnibus. So, um, a little bit. But what I will endeavour to do is finish that before this starts. Did you not borrow a lot of those off me at a time? No, no. I picked up the omnibuses of those myself. Right. Yeah, I just really like the J. Scott Campbell cover oh, okay, for the cool, first cool, omnibus. Cool, cool. yeah. Well, they're there if you want them. 
So, uh, yeah, Spider-Man Brand New Day Omnibus, as I say. Now, it is an advanced solicit. It's not due until July 2024, but this is, uh, once again, going to be that uh, most beautiful of things, a weighty tome. So, written by Dan Slott predominantly, but also a few other writers in there, such as Bob Gale, Zeb Wells, Mark Wade, uh, penciled by a murderer's row of talent, Phil Jimenez, Steve McNiven, Salvador La Roca, John Romita Jr., Chris Bacallo, Paolo Rivera, Marcos Martin... The most celebrated era in modern spider history featuring rotating who's who of comic book talents. Peter Parker puts the past behind him and sets forth on a status quo swing shift like no other. With new friends, new foes and some familiar faces and Peter's life has never been crazier. If major changes at the Daily Bugle and the live streaming full screwball weren't bad enough, the rampage of the Furious Freak will have Spidey calling for his Avengers teammates and an all-new adventurer. Plus, the other Spider-Man, Craven's first hunt, Norman Osborn is the face of Law & Order, the dazzling debut of Jackpot, Spidey meets a president, and more. This collects free Comic Book Day 2007 Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 546-583, so there's a good 38 issue on Broken Run there. You've got the Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 1, Secret Invasion Amazing Spider-Man 1-3, uh, President's Day Celebration Comic, Spider-Man Fear Itself one-shot, Amazing Spider-Man Extra Number 2, Spider-Man Swing Shift Director's Cut one-shot, and material from Amazing Spider-Man Extra Number 1. So again, that is a 1,272 page bad boy it will come in at a 125 um, 125 which uh, rrp would be 110 we'll sell that for about 100 again we always try to you know clip off a little bit where we can uh but yeah i can't wait for that i will be jumping straight on that as soon as it does arrive uh so that is pretty much everything for me in the marvel book i think you had one last thing you maybe wanted to mention yeah absolutely. just whatever you're talking about that i totally had forgotten there was a previous hero two previous heroes or characters in marvel comics created by dan slott certainly the first one called jackpot and that mary jane has now just stolen that particular identity the thing is as i was reading it out i was thinking to myself was jackpot not like an original thing that was coming into comics now uh, and then I was wondering, was it actually stolen from a previous? You know, have yeah. we got another Cosmic Ghost Rider situation going yeah, on? Yeah, no, I think there was there was two previous jackpots. Uh, one premiered in Swing Shift, which was a, a Dan Slot series. Uh, and then the other then premiered a, a year later. They were two different characters, but I can't remember what the link was or anything else. Um, for me, uh, just uh, pulling out a trade paperback here from the back of the Marvel book, a collected edition. And that is Avengers Inc. Uh, action, Mystery and Adventure trade paperback. That's uh, on sale in April 2024. The reason, uh, the reason I, I pinpoint it is because I've just read issue four. And it's a fantastic series uh, in the... Sort of in the same milieu as uh, Al Ewing's Ant-Man and Al Ewing's Wasp. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think right up your street. Written by Al Ewing, penciled by Leonard Kirk, covered by Daniel Acuna. The Wasp creates a whole new style of avenging. Her name is Janet Van Dyne and she's a, Dine, and she's a celebrity and she's hunting a killer. His name is Victor Shade. He's an enigma and he just got killed. Together they're out to solve every mystery in the Marvel Universe, starting with their own. Victor Shade was the Vision's cover identity, but who is the, who is who? Whoever this guy is, it's not Vision. Uh, can Jan and Victor find answers? Uh, the Ghost of Avengers Mansion. Then, when the Wasp receives an invite uh, from Jane Foster, their investigation takes them to Valhalla to team up with a dead man who can uh, uh, to learn. Sorry, how a dead man can die again. Plus, who is killing those juggling jerks known as the Death Throws? 
who will form the new Lethal Legion and which shocking face from Jan's past will uh, will be leading them. Uh, this collects Avengers Inc. Uh, numbers 1 to 5. So uh, it's just been a fantastic series uh, and uh, well worth a look in trade form if you, uh, if you didn't catch it. Nice. I think that will finish up the Marvel book for us this week. That it will. So that's DC done, that's Marvel done. What about that indie book? So, yeah, we've uh, a few different publishers just to showcase here. We've got some stuff from Image, Dark Horse, Distillery, Boom, Ablaze, Titan. We'll kick off, as always, with Image, even though they're no longer at the front of the book anymore, hmm. as they are now... Um, they are distributed in America now by Penguin Random House. So right. uh-huh. the previous book is primarily put together by Diamond. So therefore, if you're not being primarily distributed by them, they, they put you further down the book, so to speak. But they're not messing with our format. We go image <laughs> first. Uh, so for me, it's going to be uh, one single issue title to, to highlight and one um, collection. So the single issue is Salmon Twitch Case Files. So this is continuing to expand the Spawn universe. It's showing no signs of slowing down under Todd McFarlane. Uh, but the artist on this one might interest you, Keith. It is Simon Kudransky. Oh, someone I know you're a fan of. Big style. Uh, so Sam and Twitch uh, series premiere. Your fan favorite detectives are back in their new ongoing series, Sam and Twitch Case Files. From the world of Spawn, acclaimed creator Todd McFarlane and artist Simon Kodransky bring you a tale of murder, intrigue and deception in this noir crime drama. So even though I don't read Spawn, I think I'm actually going to pick that up um, for the talent involved alone. Lovely. But something I definitely will be picking up because it's from one of my favourite artists of uh, current comics and it's a book that I've actually never read from them. Um, There is a couple of trade paperbacks of it but they're going to be releasing now a complete deluxe edition and that is a book called Extremity and that is written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson uh, with long-term colourist Mike Spicer on board as well. So creator Daniel Warren Johnson's hit comic collected in full for the first time Thea was an artist with a family that loved her, but that was all taken away. Now Thea dreams not of a better life, but of revenge on this clan that attacked her family. Consumed by vengeance and longing longing to regain what she lost, Thea follows her father down a dark and bloody path, but how far is she willing to go? The Seisner-nominated series combines the beauty and imagination of Studio Ghibli with the intensity of Mad Max. This collects Extremity 1-12 and is in one full collection glorious hardcover. And uh, worth pointing out that that creative team is the... uh is the Do a Parbomb creative team and the Transformers and creative the Transformers team creative and the Better Aid Bill uh-huh. creative team and the Wonder Woman <laughs> Dead Earth team. Uh, I didn't mean to start you there. Oh yeah, you started uh, something. So for me on Image, uh, one that they've got a spotlight on, uh, one that I've read a few bits and pieces of, uh, but never, never the complete, uh, the complete epic, and uh, that is the Sex Criminals Compendium trade paperback by Matt Fraction and one Chip Zdarsky. Uh, on art, all 31 award-winning, headline-grabbing, head-spinning, genre-defying issues of Sex Criminals collected in one soft, unthreatening volume, celebrating its 10th issue anniversary. When Susie and John have sex, time stops, literally. So, they have lots of sex, fall in love, and eventually start robbing banks, until they find out they're not alone. Collect Sex Criminals uh, 1 to 30 and number 69. Uh, it's 824 pages. And uh, coming in at the $50 price point. So that'll be going out. 45 there. 45. So that is definitely one that is going to be on my list. And absolutely 
an absolutely fantastic uh, book from what I have uh, read. Have you read the whole lot of that? I've or? read the whole lot. I was there in the very beginning. Uh, I picked up number one off the racks in Forbidden Planet in Cambridge, where I was living at the time. And uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. I mean, that was my introduction to Chip Zdarsky. Um, I mean, even back then, we obviously have it as a mantra in store now that, you know, follow creators, not characters. The reason I picked that up wasn't because of Chip Zdarsky. It's because I'd written, I'd read Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, uh-huh. and then I saw, oh, Matt Fraction's launching a, a new, uh, a new series. So that was during the ver- the image boom period. That was Deadly Class number one. That was Saga number yep. one. Sex Criminals number one. You know, um, East of West number one. It was, it was a really great time for for image. I always call that the sort of second boom period of image, after the uh, after the formation of the company itself uh next up i've got one from uh dark horse uh which is written by scott snyder uh with art by jamal eagle and juan castro it's called dudley datson from new york times best-selling creator scott snyder and jamal eagle comes this rollicking sci-fi adventure story about a boy his dog and a machine that controls time and space what could go wrong have you ever wondered why all the great figures in history had a pet companion and if they were all running uh, from the same mysterious threat? Such questions have never crossed the mind of Dudley Datsun, a 15-year-old with a penchant for invention. But when dastardly foes turn his world upside down, Dudley is going to have to start facing things beyond his wildest imagination in this modern-day fable. It's going to be kicking off that, it's worth mentioning, with a massive oversized number uh, one issue, which is going to be 56 pages. So that'll be in line with the likes of the recent Canary. Oh, um, what a book. Which is a yep. brilliant book. The recent Barnstormers, um, Night of the Ghoul, that kind of thing. So I think this is another one of those comicsology year of Scott mm, Snyder books. Yep. Uh, and given the quality of the recent ones, definitely will be worth picking up. We are demons. There are we have demons, demons as we well. Demons, yeah, it was yeah. another one. But I always felt shortchanged in that book because half the book was back matter. Yeah. It always felt like just as the story was getting going, you reach those middle staples and it was like and it did to not, be continued. It did not end well. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to stick with Scott Snyder, and he is going to be coming back with his uh, Night of the Gold collaborator, Francesco Francovia, one of my personal favorite artists, uh, for a new distillery title called White Boat. Distillery, the hottest new label in comics. The hottest new label in comics. I mean, you just you, the, you just rhyme off the creators, you know, mm. Tinian, Snyder, Ram V, Azzarello, Christian Moore, Francovia, you know, Jock, it's just creator after creator. No ghost machine, isn't that what they're called? Or snapping at their heels? Ghost machine's going to be an imprint of image, the way yeah. Skybound is an imprint that uh, Robert mm-hmm. Kirkman runs. Yeah. Uh, ghost machine's going to be run by, predominantly by Jeff Johns, mm-hmm. Gary Frank, Ivan Rice, um, yeah, a ton of great creators there as well. Uh, but yeah, as I mentioned in the intro, Distillery, despite being this hot new... Uh, um, uh, this hot new label they can't even have their name spelled properly in previous book they'll be moving away from uh, Diamond Before well, Channel that's, that's one page if you spelled it right on the other page on the other page go figure but the logo's right there how do you sp- yeah. anyway um <laughs> But yeah, they're going to be debuting... Well, they've debuted three titles in this uh, previous book, but one's going to come out in March, one's going to come out in April, and one's going to come out in May. And that March book is White Boat. This was a story that they hinted at in that lovely um, anthology book about, uh, the, sh- Cut. about yeah. the ship that was able to turn, like, depending what corridor you went down, you could never basically yeah, escape it. Yeah, yep. So White Boat by Scott Snyder and Francesco Francovia. Uh, from the acclaimed team behind Detective Comics, I'd obviously mentioned it earlier, the the Black Mirror, and Night of the Ghoul comes a modern horror classic for fans of Hereditary, The Host, Jurassic Park, The Island of Doctor Moreau. 
This is a horror suspense action adventure book. And it just looks class. White boats are the mega yachts that the super rich use to traverse the globe. Floating islands where your every desire can be fulfilled. And getting invited on board one should be a dream come true. Until the crew traps and transports you to a remote island where secret cults have existed for millennia. Working on something called the Human Project. Does the white boat ship you to paradise or sink you to hell on earth? This, uh, as I say, this is from Scott Snyder, visionary writer who redefined comic book dread with witches and introduced Batman into a terrifying cerebral era with modern noir master Francesco Francovia. This is described as, and this is where Keith is screwed and has to pick up this book, a white knuckle descent into Lovecraftian. God damn it. Maritime madness. Sorry, dude. And yes, it's a silly size book. You had to do it. They're all silly size books from Distillery, aren't they? Yes, they are, but. This is one you'll definitely pick up as well, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. So sticking with Distillery, uh, because I am a sucker for everything Wild West, uh, we have a featured item, uh, and that is the Blood Brothers' mother. So this was the one that in Devil's Cut was kind of a a, a vignette. It was uh, it was only a wee short one. Yeah, it's it, like four pages or something. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, yeah, like a wee epilogue or something. And it's called The Blood Brothers' Mother Number 1 by Brian Azzarillo and Eduardo Riso. New series debut from the team behind 100 Bullets. In the Old West, three children set off across the wild Texas frontier to rescue their mother, kidnapped by uh, ruthless outlaws who gunned down their preacher father. Throughout their journey, they'll face the harsh elements of, the, of an unforgiving landscape, deadly animals hungry for blood, merciless bounty hunters, and so much more, all in the relentless quest to rescue their family. They'll learn the terrible cost of revenge, not just in lives, but in how it stains a soul. While revenge may be satisfying in the moment, it leaves a yearning behind that lasts a lifetime, and you taste it. Nothing else is ever so sweet. In the traditions of The Searchers and Blood Meridian comes a brutal new Western series from the Eisner Award-winning team behind 100 Bullets and Moonshine. So looking forward to that, Poppy. Uh, 100 Bullets is a personal favourite. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you're a fan of the the Old West as well. Oh, I'll definitely be on that, uh, especially now that, unfortunately, Anfield Gangmasker came to a uh, finish this week. Uh, Yes, I've got number six sitting there. Uh, Looking forward to it and looking forward to getting back to that Texas blood whenever uh, we're finally uh, gifted uh, with a new (laughs) issue. Another one from Distillery from yourself? Yeah, one last one. So, again, this is one of those early solicits, which is actually due in April, and it's called Spectrograph. This was, I believe, the first story in Devil's Cut off the top of my head. Uh, This is a new series debut from Modern Masters of Horror, James Tinney IV and Christian Ward. For years, the mansion has sat strangely nestled into the coastline just a short drive north of Los Angeles. Rumours have haunted the place for years. Its owner, a titan of American industry with a strange fascination in the occult and the paranormal. For decades, the richest men and women in the country have whispered to each other, trying to understand what he was building alone in that mansion for all those years. And now finally with his death and his estate finally open for sale, they're eager to find out for themselves. Be careful, once you enter, you may never leave. So that is Spectrograph number one. And as I say, that is part of the the sort of hat trick of books from Distillery that are solicited this month. Uh, Again, an early solicit for Blood Brothers Mother, which is due in May. Uh Uh, Early solicit for Spectrograph, which is April. Uh, But White Boat itself is due in March. Yeah, they're really really starting to up their their release schedule, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so far there's only really been two books. There's a third one on the way soon. 
um, which is Blasphemous from Mirko and Dolfo. Uh-huh. First book to come out was Gone, number one from Blasphemous Jock. Blasphemous is the, the witch one, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Uh, the first one to come out was Gone, which is the science fiction book from Jock. And then the second one, which there's one issue out so far of it, is Somna, which is sort of a crucible era witch hunt type book. Uh, so one that is highlighted as uh, Diamond's Gem of the Month and is written by the writer of The Good Asian, which was a book that you and I both thoroughly enjoyed. Oh, yeah. uh, that writer is Pornsak Pichichote, uh, is uh, the first of a five-issue miniseries called Man's Best. It's uh, about um, uh, pets and dogs and less so cats, But uh, so I'm, I'm all in. Uh, the, the illustrator is uh, Jesse Lonergan. Uh, sea of Stars meets We Only Find Them When They're Dead in this epic adventure from two of comics' brightest stars. Homeward bound on an alien planet. Man's Best follows three emotional support pets living on the Starship Horizon, a spacecraft searching for a new planet to house a humanity compromised by bad decisions and corporate corruption. But after the ship crashes and their crew is captured, these loyal pets are their owner's only hope. Outfitted in outrageous mech suits, these three best friends must traverse a hostile world to rescue their owners, leaving them... The only hope for humanity that might not be worth saving in an adventure threatening to tear their friendship apart. Pornsak uh, Pichichote, writer of the Eisner and Harvey Award winning The Good Asian, soon to be adapted by director James Wan in his first collaboration with Eisner Award nominated rising star Jesse Lonergan uh, of uh, Hedra, Miss Truesdale and The Fall of Hyperborea. Uh, provide an action-packed sci-fi romp with something to say in a tale that spans the furthest reaches of space to uh, tug at readers' hearts. Um, a lot of Eisner and Harvey awards there, uh, would you say? <laughs> a lot of awards to to capture the attention, of course. But something that definitely captured my attention this month, and thank goodness this is finally solicited, because I am sick being asked in store when this is coming out. <laughs> uh, Boom have started recently doing these deluxe hardcovers for some of their key series. Um, they The first two were two of their best series of recent years, Something That's Killing the Children and Once in Future. And both volumes came out and they had roughly half the story so far. So I get asked all the time, when is the second Once in Future out? And when is the second Something Is Killing the Children out? Well, at least one of those questions can be answered. Still no word on Once in Future, which is strange given it's finished. You would have thought it would have been uh, uh-huh. it would have been released by now. Yep. But no, solicited this month. Uh, again, it is a slightly advanced solicit. It's due out May 15th, but it's Something Is Killing the Children Book 2 Deluxe Edition. They always come out in two uh, different ways. You can just get your traditional hardcover deluxe, or they also do a slipcase edition, which would remind you of like the, the DC absolutes. Uh, so yeah, this is book two. It's due May 15th, winner of the 2023 Ringo Award for Best Series. With the Unforgiving Order of St. George on her trail, the deadly duplicite on the hunt and cutter in pursuit, Erica is in dire straits. Collecting the entire second story cycle of Something is Killing the Children, this epic hardcover collection is the perfect place to continue reading the national bestseller with over 2.5 million copies sold. That is impressive. That is impressive. Uh, Erica Slaughter returns after the Archer's Peak saga in this collection of the multiple Eisner Award, there's those words again, and Harvey Award, there's those words again, uh-huh. nominated series from Glad Award winning, there's those words again, uh-huh. author James Denny and the fourth artist Werther Deladera. This collects something that's killing the children 21 to 35. So, uh, yeah, uh, again, I've been asked all the time when this is coming out, so I'm glad to see a bit of clarity in the situation. Now, if you would just give us uh, Once in Future Book 2, you cowards. Absolutely. And did you read uh, Book of Butcher last week? 
I have a copy of it, but no, I haven't. Yeah, really, really good. Um, I obviously so did Book of Slaughter and now. It's yeah, yeah. So this is setting up, you know, the common, uh, I guess, the common year or so, maybe mm-hmm. of, uh, of of something is killing the children's stories, and uh, obviously drawn upon some of the butcher stuff we've seen so far. It's kind of a source book. It tells you about the history. It uh, tells you about monsters and their classification and where they come from and all sorts of stuff. So uh-huh. it's very, very cool. It's a very well put together book. Nice. Um, and the last arc of Something Kill the Children was was really good. Um, so we are, I think, coming to towards the. I think coming towards the end of the 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 June miniseries uh, around the the movie uh, and the book. So. Uh, we've had uh, House Atreides, we've had a House Harkonnen, and we now have House Carino, uh, June House Carino. So this is an eight-part series. Uh, the previous ones were 12 parts by Brian Herbert uh, and Kevin J. Anderson, illustrated by Simone uh, Ragazzoni. So just ahead of June Part 2's release, the final prequel to the House trilogy arrives in comic shops. House Carino, once the deadliest house in the June universe, as the Imperial family plays a role in the developments leading to the events of the first June novel. While conflicts escalate between the Fremen and House Harkonnen and Arrakis, the Bene Gesserit uh, keep a close eye on Jessica's fateful pregnancy and House Atreides takes part in a plan to seal Ix's fate. Legendary authors Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson are joined by artist Simone Rigazzini from the Paria Rangers universe for the third and final prequel to one of the most celebrated science fiction novels of all time. I've been really enjoying these, uh, so I'm, I'm going to see this out. Uh, but yeah, really, really very good stuff. And uh, I mean, June Part Two is my most anticipated movie of uh, of of twenty twenty four. Yeah, I still haven't seen the first one. I I told you at the time yep. I was going to wait and wait until they were closer together. But I see that they actually are getting ready to put the first one back into IMAX sometime over the next few weeks. Are they? I've never seen I've never seen anything in IMAX, so that might be the highly recommended. Yeah. It's it's only for special occasion type things. It's quite expensive yeah. to go yeah. to, but Top Gun Maverick was outstanding there because so much of it was filmed specifically for IMAX. Right. And I believe with Dune it's the same. I think a good 40 to 45% of the first movies in IMAX. Uh-huh. And I think they've upped that. I think Dennis Villeneuve was talking about trying to shoot the whole of the second one in IMAX, but right. we'll wait and see. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the that movie was it was somewhere else. It was on Amazon Prime. It's now come to Netflix. Uh, so your uh, your options are increasing, but uh, fantastic movie. <laughs> oh no, big screener bust. I've, uh, I've watched it a bunch of times. Obviously, mm-hmm. saw it first in the cinema, but I've watched it a, a bunch of times since. Very, very good. Nice. So just two more to finish off with from myself, and then that is going to be us checking out for this previews pod. The first one is the second appearance this month for Ed- artist Eduardo Risso, of course, part of that 100 Bullets theme for the Blood Brothers' mother. Keith had mentioned, well, he's also the artist on a book from Ablaze Comics called Torpedo 1972. Uh, this is written by Enrique Sanchez Abuli, and you just knew straight away this would be my type of book because A, it's to do with gangsters, B, it's a noir uh, storytelling and see Eduardo Rissos on art. So in the 1930s Lucas Torelli known as Torpedo was a legend of the suburbs of New York a tough trigger happy Sicilian who only knew how to make friends. Anyone else is no longer here to say otherwise. Nearly 40 years later the Big Apple has changed quite a bit Torpedo not so much as a persistent journalist prepares to write an article about the Caputo family, the demons of Torpedo's past resurface along with his dirty old habits. Um, there's some pretty cool um uh, previews pages for this including one scene where they're actually sitting in the cinema watching The Godfather you see this beautifully drawn Marlon Brando there 
Uh, but yeah, really, really looking forward to that. And really nicely, actually, I put that on the previews board this month and previews are actually creeping up on that. Oh, so good. Brilliant. Nice to see with uh, a smaller publisher. And then the last thing I'm just going to mention here, just primarily for the reason that I am really, really loving the current Conan run. It is exceptional. Ever since it's went back to Titan Comics, not to say that the Marvel stuff wasn't good because it was very good and it actually got me into Conan uh-huh. because, as you well know, it was between yourself and Roddy consistently recommending it. But I think the Titan stuff's just taken a wee tiny step up for the simple reason that it seems more in line with what came in the past. Totally agree. The Marvel totally stuff agree. was a more modern take. Yep. But the, the current stuff just looks like it was, you know, drawn in the 70s. Um, it's, uh, it's got that uh, Roy Thomas, Barry Windsor Smith sort of... Big time. Big time. Yeah. Spiritual successor, if you will. Yeah. Well, because Titan have now got the license to Conan, obviously they're producing the new single issues, but they're also going back to remaster oversized omnibus editions of Conan from the very start. So that's going to kick off in March, uh, March 6th. Uh, to be exact, with Conan the Barbarian, the original comics omnibus of Volume 1. As Keith had mentioned there, with the creators, written by Roy Thomas, art by Barry Windsor-Smith. So Conan's original comic adventures are back and looking better than ever. This is the definitive collection of classic 1970s Conan the Barbarian. Created by the famous Roy Thomas and Barry Windsor-Smith, who introduced the sword and sorcery genre to comic books. Features high-quality colour restoration work to make the strips feel as close to the original experience as possible. Collecting Conan the Barbarian, the 1970 series, from 1 to 26, as well as material from Savage Tales number 1 and number 4. And again, just looking at the the previews pages for that, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely going to pick this up. I consider picking up the Marvel omnibuses over the years because they collected all the original stuff as well. Uh-huh. But the odd one is out of print here, yeah, the odd one yeah. is out of print there. So this think, is a great uh, chance to get it from the start. I think that one's going to be me as well. And if I'm not mistaken, they're also doing the same with Savage Sword. They are. I mean, Savage Sword, is this something that was the way these titles were done back in the past? Was was it always in black and white? Savage, uh, Savage, Sword? Savage Sword was always in black and white and it, ironically for being in black and white it was more uh it was more visceral mm-hmm. than uh it was it was a uh, recommended for a, a an older age range a slightly more mature uh, audience yes exactly well as it says here i mean just to just to throw a spotlight up in this as well so you've got the savage sword of conan the original comics omnibus volume one and in big red letters this is Conan at his most savage. Uh, so yeah, Roy Thomas and Barry Windsor Smith are on board this, but also legendary artist John Buscema oh, yeah. as well. Yep. Um, so these are the dark and gritty tales within that are perfect for Conan fans looking for that extra little bit of bloody violence as well. Um, so this was from the magazine format, Savage sort of Conan. Yeah. So I wonder what size that omnibus is going to be. Yeah, and I know they're... So they're Titan are also releasing a new Savage sort of Conan, which is going to be magazine sized. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're following tradition, the the, the 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 sandaled footsteps of their their predecessors. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for all you Conan fans, yeah, you've got those omnibuses there, but also you've got Conan the Barbarian Volume Two releasing that month as well. The current Jim Zub series. Uh, yeah, the, all the stuff around Conan at the moment very very strong. Yeah, so, great stuff. Good to see. So that is us for the January books for predominantly March releases, but some beyond there. How's your wallet feeling? My wallet, my wallet is uh, well. It's downstairs uh, encased. Uh, and uh, I mean it was doing well there and then I brought up this big omnibus at the end and yeah, you were like, I know, yeah I know to be fair I had already noticed those so <laughs> I mean hopefully my finances will be a little bit better by March uh, so maybe I'll we'll see I'll find an excuse to I'll find an excuse to uh, 
to, to pick those up. What is the cutoff date for ordering? So cutoff date for ordering is the end of January for these books. I think it's around January 29th the order is due. But of course there's always the, the chance to up our orders with the FOC deadlines in February and so forth. The The bottom line is always just the the better you get, the earlier you get your orders in, the better. It just allows us more of a, an idea of what to order for the store. Uh, means that people won't miss out. And most importantly, it's always a cover price always first print cover A's and always bagged and boarded so and that's um, a coffee and heroes guarantee that is a coffee and heroes guarantee I feel like I should get a plaque for the store with it on it coffee and heroes guarantee that might be an idea why do I have to come up with these ideas <laughs> anyway yeah as ever I hope this proved useful for you guys uh, again that's just our relatively brief uh, sojourn through the books but the books are always in store so pop in anytime drop us a message on Facebook Instagram Twitter drop us an email or pop into the store if there's anything that interests you on uh, from the books uh, other than that nice to lock in the first uh, podcast of 2024 yeah an absolute pleasure as always, and I'll hopefully see you guys in store soon. So I've been Alan Taylor, and this has been Keith Miller. You can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes, and on Twitter, where Alan is at Coffee and Heroes One, and I'm a Scanison Zero Zero. Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop, and community hub in Northern Ireland, based at Smithfield Market in the centre of Belfast. You can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. The Coffee and Heroes podcast is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and through all good podcast platforms. Please like and subscribe and leave a review so more people can find us. And until next time, happy reading and hope to see you in store.